Hello, everyone. How you doing? Welcome to another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. I am really, really excited. Anyone that's been following my journey knows that I have completely dove off the deep end when it's come to the trend that a lot of people are exploring this this idea of education and artificial intelligence and chat GPT and BARD or Bing or whatever the new tool is going to be. It seems like it changes by the minute and the hour. But I think at the end of the day, we're right here at a crux in education where don't want to get so caught up in the tools themselves, but really what is it challenging us to think about our education system and our practices. And I am super pumped for this guest because his work is definitely one that uh, I I read all the time it comes out and I have gained a, a, a huge amount of my own learning from this individual. And I'm speaking about none other than Dan, the AI educator, Fitzpatrick. And so Dan, for, for those that know you, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, he's so lucky to have a chat with him. Um, and for those that don't know who you are, um, who are you? What do you do? And what in the world you got going on? And you've got a lot going on, I know, but, uh, you know, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's, it's brilliant to be with you and to be on your, your amazing podcast and hearing amazing things about it. So to have, to be a guest on here is, is, is an honor, Aaron. So thanks very much for having me. Um, yeah, uh, I, I guess it's, it's been a crazy few months, I think. And, 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 my life certainly changed in terms of what my main focus is and I'm like like you said yours are as well so yeah my my name's Dan I, I'm I'm from England so you can probably guess my my accent um and if if you think and it doesn't sound like a traditional English accent that's from because I'm from the the north of England near Scotland um in a place called Newcastle and yeah so my my kind of my job is has been for a few years digital strategy and kind of look being a bit in, innovative with digital and looking to see where the what the weak signals are, what's coming down the line in terms of technology that's going to impact education, and then trying to interpret that and and implement it really, and and, and making the organisations that I work for get ahead of the game. Now, obviously, AI technology has come down the line, and it is is here and is and is disrupting industries all over the world at the minute. Um, and and really has a, a huge potential to disrupt education. Um, so my main focus at the minute is is AI, and um, I'm currently I'm writing a book which is out going to be out on the first of May called the the AI Classroom um, with the good people at uh, Teacher Goals. So that's going to be coming out, doing lots of research around that, um, developing ideas of where, about where this can go, and and yeah, ex- excited about this just as you, just as you are, and 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 delving into the implications for for education and and the whole world. Yeah, and I'm so excited to, to to sit down here with you and talk through that because I think there's a I don't know there's there's a lot of things, but I think you know as we start this, the first thing that I think comes to mind for a lot of people that are are maybe thinking about artificial intelligence and education landscape for the first time is. One, a misconception is that like 
AI is not new to the world. It's not new to education, but it feels like it's new. It feels like, holy cow, we all just got smacked upon the side of the face with this. And a lot of that goes to chat GPT and just the way that tool has, has, has caught on, you know, but in, in your role of, of thinking about digital learning and, and figuring out that thing, we've seen tools, shiny objects, the latest things come and go. Um, we've seen some things sustain and, and others not, you know, maybe we start with the premise here of like, why do you feel that like that AI is not only a disruption, I think we can all say it is, but something that we really, really need to sink our teeth into versus other things that like, you know, in a moment they blip and everyone talks about it and then it kind of just falls apart, like, and it just goes away. Um, this is, I don't believe is that, I mean, the implications are, are I think a little bit larger than, you know, some tools or texts or shiny objects that get announced at conferences. What's your perception where you're like, holy cow, we, we, we really need to, to really look at this deeply. Yeah. Our, education has, has managed to avoid major disruption um, probably since its, its existence. And I'm talking about its modern existence a few hundred years ago in terms of schooling. And we, if you, there's a, there's a great friend of mine called David Price who, who wrote a fantastic book called open how we live um, work and learn in the future and he always he he always says if you took a, a 19th century teacher and dropped them into a classroom in in the 21st century they would probably feel quite comfortable to 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 just crack on with it to to get on with it and and to do the job if you, if you did that with a surgeon for example and dropped them into a 21st century um uh, theater for surgery, they, they wouldn't have a clue what was going on. It would be a very different place. So education has, has largely avoided disruption. Um, and, and I know people will be saying, well, look at what EdTech has done over the last few decades, what the, the internet. Um, I, I, I'm here to say it ha that hasn't disrupted education at all. It hasn't. What education is really good at doing is going, right, we'll take those bits that support the current way of doing things. And so you'll see that the things that work in terms of ed tech, the things that get selected and to, to be the go-to tools are the tools that uphold the current way of doing things. And I'm a massive ed tech fan. It's my career. <laughs> right, um, right. It's, it, but, uh, but they have, ed tech hasn't transformed education. It's just, it's just kind of, I mean, if you look at that, I, you, I'm sure you're familiar with the SAMR model mm -hmm. um, of, of how technology is integrated we're nowhere near the transformation stage of of the Samar model. Like looking at it is is the whole picture. We're, sure. we're still very much on that substitution phase. A little bit of augmentation, but mainly on the substitution. And I think a case case in point. When when was the time we needed edtech the most? The the power of edtech the most over the last few years. It was during COVID and and during those lockdowns when schools, colleges, universities all moved online during that time. And what did we see? And, and I'm being again, I'm being general, so don't mean to be unfair to those schools that were innovative. But what what we mainly came across were schools that took the classroom and put it into a video call. It was just a direct substitution, and it didn't work. Like it did, it just didn't work. Um, and you had you had books being written about how to how to do the classroom. But in a video call, how to do what you normally do in a classroom, but in a video call, um, I think Doug Lamov wrote a book, but where he, where he pretty much said, how do you take the teach like a champion strategies and put it in a video call? 
just absolute crazy stuff, absolute crazy stuff. And and that's because that's all it's always it seems to be that's all we can handle. How how can the tech and that wasn't innovative. The first ever video call was done in the 1920s. All right. Now <laughs> it was done on some 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 fairly um, early tech, granted. But a video call is not innovation. Like, let's be honest. Um, there's some cool tools that 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 were that emerged around that time to support learning, but online learning was was mainly. And I'm sorry to be unfair. And and I'm being I'm 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 mainly I'm criticizing myself here because I ran a or I I co-led a school at that time where we moved the school online, and we right. we were doing it. We were doing exactly the same thing. So I'm criticizing myself here, but. We we didn't transform anything, and 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 you know what the litmus test is of that is that as soon as the COVID lockdown was was raised and everyone came back into the school building, we we just did, went back to how it was always done, because it was better. Video right. calls are not better than real life. Let's be honest. Like I'm I'm in England, you're in Iowa, Aaron. Like I'd rather be in that room with you having a good chat. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Right. Having a, having a drink of Newcastle Brown and, and you go. <laughs> shooting the breeze. But like a video call is, is, is a substitute. It's not, it's not, it's not necessarily better. And I think that, I think just a case in point of how ed, the education system has seems, has seemed to get really good at just, at just holding its arm out and keeping things at length, keeping true transformation at length. But you see the rest of the world and most industries have gone through major transformation in, in the last few decades. Um, I think to go back to your original question, I think that we're now at a point with this technology where it's so powerful that the education system is not going to be to avoid disruption. And the scary thing is, I don't think the scary thing is AI. The scary thing is the schools that won't adapt. That's what scares me because I think, and I think it will happen. And, I, and, I, and I'm speaking mainly from an English point of view here, um, a UK point of view, because the English school system is very traditional. Um, and I think on, a, on the large part, they will try to avoid any disruption um, because the system literally has no capacity in it for for change at the minute. It doesn't even have the capacity to do its day-to-day -day jobs. We've got teachers going on strike uh, we've got poor pay. We've got teachers doing sixty hours a week when they're only getting paid for thirty nine, and it's it's a it's a broken system at the moment. A lot a lot of um, public services in England are broken at the moment. If you if you I don't know if you're getting it on the news over in the US, but there's there's public sector strikes all over the place. Um, so I think I think the scary thing is that we're going to try and bury our head in the sands, and what it's going to do is and and kind of and emphasizing what happened during covid is we we kind of for the first time saw with clarity the digital divide the students who had access to technology who could utilize it for learning and those who couldn't and covid right. kind of made that clear to us in a very stark way and in a very um what's the word like there's a like a social justice Right. On it really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know about because I was in a school and we were trying to get devices to students who came from very poor backgrounds. And we also had students who had MacBooks because their parents were more well off in this and, and trying to trying to have some equity when it came to accessibility was very difficult. Um, 
and, and so it was very stark, that digital divide. I think schools, colleges, universities that are going to bury their head in the sand when it comes to AI are going to widen that digital gap a hundredfold, not even double it. They're going to do, they're going to widen it a hundredfold because then we're going to be in a situation where we've got students who are learning how to use AI, who've got access to AI, who are collaborating with AI, who are creating with AI, who are problem solving. And as soon as they walk out of that school door for the last time and go into the workplace, they're going to be snapped up by companies who are using AI, which by the way, is pretty much going to be every company in the mm. world. Students who haven't been using it, who don't have the skills to use it, might be coming out of school with, with all, all A's, like top grades in every subject, but they're not going to go very far. So it's going to be a massive injustice to the students, and it's going to really increase that digital divide if, if educators, if, if school districts or systems, however it works where you are, if, if we don't get to grips with this. So I think we really are at a bit of a crux point, at a turning point, uh, an action point for student, for the education system to do something. And you know what? It doesn't surprise me. I don't want to be negative, but it doesn't surprise me that some have already buried in the heads, heads in the sand as I think every state in Australia, apart from one New South Wales has banned it, banned DPT, which is crazy because chat, anybody who knows anything about generative AI knows that chat DPT is literally just one app of, <laughs> yeah. of, of thousands. What they're going to do, go through and ban them all. Yeah. Um, also, I think they've failed to realize that students and staff have the internet at home. Like it's just, the internet doesn't just exist within school. So there's, there's, and, and I know some places in, in the States have as well. Um, and I think we're in it. We're, we're at a turning point where we can either, we can bunker down and, and pretend like change isn't happening or we can, we can innovate and, and make the future a better place for our students. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as you're, as you're talking there, I'm, I'm thinking about that the equity or inequity piece. And there's, geez, there's a million spokes that need to probably go into consideration with that. But as you were talking, there's like, I think two of the big levers there are one, the accessibility um, to internet and devices in order to even have access to tools that have AI built in. And then there's another accessibility equity piece on how are we educating our learners to utilize those? What are the skills? And that's one of the things I've been this this word exists, and I and I use it in in classrooms, but I don't use it the right way for the the right definition. But I was just talking to somebody around conversation design, and I know the the you know kind of official definition is like how the humans interact with with devices, and 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 we've been talking about it even in authentic learning. Like when we bring in an expert through Zoom or in person, we're talking about how do we help kids just even learn how to host a a conversation with another human where we're going to bring this this guest in who's our expert on whatever topic and we're not going to do a sit and get where we hope that they share what we think we need how do we flip this in the learning process where the kids are asking questions directly to extract exactly what they need for their learning now that's not ai specific but what i'm trying to weave my way around to then is I, I still use this word conversational design and sometimes it's out of context because that's how I phrase it with kids and that, but I see it with these tools too. You know, it's, it's how do we interact with these tools to get the information that we need? And if we don't teach those skills, we're doing a disservice. Like I'm, I love STEM and robotics and, and coding. And I'm always like, the robot is only as smart as the as the programmer. Like if you don't know how to communicate with a robot, a robot can't do anything. Take a Lego robot. 
It's not going to move, but you have to learn how you have to figure out how to communicate with it to do what you want. Um, so there is a, a, a conversation that comes with that. And I think there's, you know, as I'm trying to think through how to be proactive, what are those skills and how do we go about teaching and to go straight to blocking everything and acting as if it doesn't exist and we're not going to utilize it. We're setting, we're setting kids back. We're setting educators, but we're setting the system back if we're not empowering our professionals to then turn around and be able to empower our learners. Absolutely. And I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. I think the skills around this are going to be so important and um, it's like anything we bring into the classroom, isn't it? You can't just, you don't just bring a Chromebook into the classroom or a tech tool or, or a piece of robotics like, you, like you're talking about. You, you have to, you have to prepare students for that. You have to give them and develop the skills that they're going to need to use it. And, and I, and I, and I think just following on from what you were saying, I, quite early on with this i say early on it was only a few weeks ago but it feels like a million years ago <laughs> right, right. um back in early january it's only it's only mid-february um back in early january i, I was i was really trying to grip get to grips with what kind of framework would be needed if if a teacher was going to bring ai into the classroom especially um ai like like chat gpt and, and i created this this framework and it starts it starts at the center with curiosity so it's kind of like well how do we because I think with a technology like this, you can't just go. If you're going to ask students to be proactive in using some and using a technology where they they're going to get to 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 learn for themselves, then there has to be a curiosity there, and that right. curiosity leads to questioning, and then the skills of how to how to question is a massive massive skill. Then then I go on to discourse, then on to critical analysis, and then on to applying new knowledge. But I, I think you're right there because I, I remember I created that framework and I, I went on to Canva and, and made a graphic for it. And I was like, I've got a great tweet here. This is going to be brilliant. <laughs> and, um, and and as I, as I kind of like sat back and looked at it, I thought, actually, it's just a, it's just a framework for how to have a decent conversation <laughs> with somebody. <laughs> it's, it's not an AI framework. It's not a, it's not a, a tech framework. It's literally just, it's a framework for how to, how to learn from from somebody really um and i suppose it's like us having a conversation right now isn't it like we're both curious about what each other what what each other knows about this topic we're curious about the topic in general that leads us to to ask questions to have a discourse to critically analyze what each other are saying so that we can we can then um digest it and and maybe come back and 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 delve a bit further in some areas and then also at the end of this um podcast i'm going to go away and probably apply some of the things i've learned from you and 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 so on and so on and it's i think it's but they're vital skills and the world economic forum have been telling us pretty much every year for the last 10 years that these skills are so much needed in the world communication skills collaboration skills and um, problem solving skills and it, it all it all leads back to this framework i think and we I don't know about the states, but in England we haven't done a particularly good job of it. We haven't. We sometimes make excuses, so we say, "Oh well, they learn the students learn problem solving in maths classes, right? Do they really? Are you like? I think we haven't really kind of properly installed this within our curriculum yet, and 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 our students have been dis been disadvantaged because of that already for a few years. Um, speaking from my point of view 
um, and, and my experience. Um, and all along, it's those skills that are going to help with AI. And I think just to bring in another skill, because I've really been been kind of exploring this over the last few days. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, you, you'll see I, I, I dedicated the newsletter to this on Sunday. And it's all about kind of literacy. Mm. And I think the the initial reactions to this AI technology, because it's a, especially ChatGPT, it generates text. So it's, it, it can be used for all sorts of writing. And that's that's gone on to people scaremongering about plagiarism and academic integrity all valid to a certain extent but i think valid within the current way of doing things i, yeah. I, I think if we change up how we do things then then that's when we're that's when we're gonna it's we're gonna benefit from this but i think there's there's been there's been a bit of a false dichotomy between people going well if students just do their work on chat gpt and they're not going to be literate they're not going to learn grammar skills, how to communicate, um, how to learn, because they'll just get ChatGPT to do it for them. My argument is, if you don't teach them literacy skills and literacy skills to a high level, they're not going to be to to use ChatGPT. Because if anybody who's used it, and I, and I really think people who come out with this argument have probably never used it or used it in a very basic way. Because anyone who's delved into this, and, and, you, and you'll know this yourself, anyone who's delved into this at, at a deep level, knows that your words and the way you communicate with ChatGPT determine the quality of the output you get like massively if you if you give it a vague question you get a vague answer if you structure your question put detail in there and i've got a model for this i call it the prep model which i love uh, but it, <laughs> i love but it it makes so much sense yeah i love it thanks yeah well it's just a nice way it's, it's for my it, I, I created it for myself really just to have it in my head so i know that when i'm whenever i'm asking ChatGPT for something i just remember to include those elements but um yeah i think i think literacy is going to be integral to people who can use this and when we talk about the digital divide which we just did i think there's a digital divide in terms of access but then there's also a digital divide in terms of skills mm. and it's going to be the students who have great literacy skills who will be to utilize this the most and so and I don't know about the states, but in the UK, literacy is is terrible. Like adult literacy rates are really low. Um, we have at every every school in the UK, it's when students are sixteen years old, they take a, an exam called a GCSE. And last year, a third, so one third of students failed their maths and English GCSE, oh, wow. which is crazy numbers. So we're yeah. failing a third of all students when it comes to kind of basic mathematics and and english um literacy skills essentially so we need to as an education system we can't be we can't be going let's look at look at this ai let's be scared of it let's 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 ban it when actually we haven't even got our own house in order first right we're not even doing what we're supposed to be doing like so if we and actually if we were doing what we were supposed to be doing, we, we wouldn't be threatened by AI <laughs> because our students would have the lit the literacy skills to be able to utilize it and we'd be to integrate it in a way where they can collaborate with it and and use it to come to create and use it to 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 get further than they ever could without it. Because it's a tool essentially. Um, just like I can I can do with someone a calculator much much more complex than I could ever do in my brain. Um and 
it's 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 a tool just like it. I think. I mean, it's it's a lot more complex, but in a similar way, we need to put it in the hands of our students, get them using it, and get them get them get them using it so that they can produce and they can learn and they can create things that they never could without it. And I think that's where the value is going to be to the world and and to better in their lives. And if education is about anything, it's about giving our students the tools to so they can have a good life. Yeah, and I like that you brought up the literacy. I mean, I, I think it, it becomes almost like this circular economy of learning in, in order to use these tools. You got to be able to read and write and speak. And then as you get the information, you got to be learn. you got to know how to process it and figure out what are you going to do with it. And taking a tool like chat GPT, then it's, it's going in and, and, and having a chat for those that haven't used it, like you can continue to refine and build upon almost kind of stack and layer to get a result that you want. And I find myself, the, the more I, I dive into the conversation, I'm going to say the machine, I know it's not a machine, but like for the lack of, of terms, like the crazy amount of thinking that I'm actually doing where I feel like sometimes I, I feel like I, I do more thinking into the, my prompt building, my response to my prompt building of, of the tool and things like that versus just kind of sitting down and word vomiting my own ideas because things will come through and I'm like, Ooh, I didn't think about it that way. And then, you know, in the end, I'm still creating something. It's not 100% me, but I'm using it in order to gain perspectives and different stuff um, you know, I think as you start to layer in and, and move through a tool like Chad GPT, and I want to throw something else out. So you, we talked about the literacy and that skill set, something that I've been really not hung up on, but I've been really trying to wrap my head around that I've, I've found to be an interest area of, of mine is acknowledging that maybe we've been focused on some of the not wrong, but not all the, what I believe are the crucial elements to media and digital skills, literacy skills. And the thing I've been, I've been sharing out, some people have heard me say this is like, we have students, we have professionals that don't know how to do a proper Google search. I mean, in terms of, we just throw words in there, hope it gives us, but we don't know how to use different types of techniques to really parse out information that we need. And now here we are with these new AI tools that require similar, but also different skill sets on top of that. And so what are we doing? We, we spent a lot of time talking about the fears of social media, which is important. We've talked, you know, password protection. Um, I think about media between fake and real news. I, I copied a, a concept, I think it was from Ethan Malik, and I made a, a fake video of myself and not that it's perfect, but I did it in a few hours. And it didn't cost me anything. And I showed my family and they're like, that's scary. And it's like, but it's scary in the sense that we now have to think about how do we truly think about what comes across our screens. We should have been doing that a long time ago. And we've we've got plenty of scenarios and politics and all sorts of things that you know we can don't have to dive down that rabbit trail to know that we should be more cautious of that stuff. And now here it is. And I feel like there's another point right now in the system. We have an opportunity to go back and figure out how we're going to infuse this. Or if we ignore it, we're going to have a rough road ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess. Yeah. It's like any tech tool, isn't it? That can be 
it can be used for forever for whatever we want to use it for um and it's 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 about i think that we there's there must be intent there and i've been been, again i've been looking at it like thinking about this a lot recently of i think we've especially since kind of the dawn of the internet we've the general public and to, to a certain extent governments and policy as well have just kind of let things happen and and tech companies have had a great deal of freedom when it comes to creating and and seeing where things go and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at all i think it's a, i think it's a good thing really i don't i don't want anything to be kind of over overly um policed and and and, and restricted but um i do i do think that we need we do kind of need to learn from from these last 20 25 years and and kind of especially social media as well i think we we kind of let social media have a free reign and there's there's a lot of good that comes with social media but there's also a lot of bad that comes with social media as well and, and we've noticed that a lot over the last few years of of how it can be used and and also how the algorithms are used are used to to kind of um solidify people's views and and all of that and and actually the there's there's a big argument to be said that the the state of politics in in most of the Western world at, at the moment is is largely down to social media in terms of mm-hmm. um, there being such kind of such um, polar opposite political spectrums within especially in the in the states and over here in England as well and not much middle ground going on it's very much kind of um, a, a bit of a a bit of a fight within the political arenas probably more than it ever has been and i i i think we probably do need to learn from learn from that and and go right well how 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 is this going to be used in a sensible way for especially if we're going to put it in front of students and i think just to credit you for bringing kind of this side of the argument up as well because i think a lot of people and, and myself included get excited with this technology and, and as hopefully as you, your listeners have I've heard over the last half an hour it has we have had it is an exciting technology and it is I do believe it's going to transform things but I think like like any new technology we we do need to think about it we need to think about the ethics of it we need because it's not perfect like you say the, the there's bias kind of ingrained in it because it's using human data and humans are biased um I do think I do think the it'll improve Right. Um, I think, and, and there's some great actual innovators who are working on working on this um, at the moment. Who who are looking at how do we how do we kind of mitigate for the bias? Uh, also, the copyright side of it, um, I think, is a is a huge argument at the moment. Um, where is it getting the information from? Um, how is it using the information? That and and all of that. We need to iron out a lot lot of those things. And also, I think, kind of, I think going back to what you said. We still haven't really tackled that whole that whole problem of showing students what to believe, what not to believe, how to critically analyze the information they come across on the internet. Um, we had a real problem with that with things with social media, with Google searches, with with students who who are learning thinking that well, because it's on there, it must be true. Mm-hmm. And and I think we're gonna be in exactly the same position with with generative AI. So if a student asks it a question, it gives an answer. Um, I think me and you are, are are probably of the mind where we go, well, is that true? Can you and I and I've done it where I've said, where have you got the information from? Can you reference this, please? 
Um, and there's and a lot of the new AI tools that are coming out. I know Google Bard are, 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 are wanting to put referencing within the answers and a few other tools are doing the same. ChatGPT doesn't do that. So if if a student is just asking it questions, if an adult is asking questions, let's be real, um, and just taking it for for granted that it that it, it's an authority on whatever subject it's talking about, I think I think we really need to be to be conscious of that and and we need to. I think that's where policy does have to come in. I think that's where right. governments are going to have to, like, I'm not sure about the states, but over here we literally just this year passed a social media bill. Like Ooh. social media. <laughs> When did when did Mark Zuckerberg create Facebook? When did it like <laughs> yeah, right. we're looking at nearly twenty years ago? Um, <laughs> and only now has the UK government decided to to kind of release a, um some kind of legislation on it, and and it's and it's watered down a lot. Sure, it's, it's not great. Um, and so I think we need to get to grips with this. That does scare me as well. I know I'm talking here and I'm contradicting myself every other sentence, but it's because I I'm not sure of the of the answer as well. I think. Because I'm not necessarily the type of person who goes goes for policy over in it uh, as to restrict innovation, but um, I suppose I've got, I've got a one a two and a three year old, so I like I I always think of them now in terms of what kind of world are they going to grow up in, and they're already addicted to YouTube. They love they yeah. they love grabbing grabbing my phone and watching <laughs> YouTube shorts and and and, and this kind of things in my mind now where I'm thinking, um, is unfettered access the right right way to go but then i'm also of the mind well who's gonna who's gonna be the gatekeeper yeah right businesses well who that's not that's not a democratic system if if some guy who created a created a platform is now and and that's the situation we find ourselves in with with people like mark zuckerberg people like elon musk i was gonna Um, say just look at twitter now but every time i turn on it my first seven tweets are him Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't even see my friends anymore. I gotta go through his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Um, but yeah, but then also, the, I don't, I don't trust the political system neither. So I, I'm like, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know what how we how we navigate this. And and I think what's what's going to be very interesting is this. This is going to go fast. This is going to go faster than social media did. Uh, I was reading something on online the other day. Um, I think it might have been Greg Brockman, the co-founder of of um, OpenAI, who was talking about how the way the way the GPT learns, it's going to have a compounding effect. So it's not just going to learn in a linear way where it learns a new bit of information, learns a new bit of information, and then over time it builds and builds. Once it learns a new bit of information and can and can have a conversation or a, an interaction with another human it then learns even more on top of that. So there's going to be a compounding effect mm. with the way this thing learns. So it's, and and I forget who it was. I think it might have been Sam Altman, the other the other guy who co-founded OpenAI, said that the, the version of ChatGPT that we have right now in a year's time will will be antiquated. We'll, we'll see it as almost like a relic, of, right. which is quite scary in, in one year's time. That we're going to look back on so that this technology and and see it as very basic yeah um, I've, I've heard him or not heard him but i've read about where he's talked about how this version is is bad it's not good and it never was intended <laughs> for everybody and it's like but it's you know people like me i'm like this is incredible and so 
you know, what they're, what they're working on what they have in store, what they know, the capability is just like, wow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's right. I've been trying to think through some of these things that we've been, been grappling with in conversations I've had with teachers. Like you're, we're, we're worried right now about some, some short-term concerns. Some of these are are much bigger. I mean, like, I, I didn't mean, as you're talking, you're like, what does it mean? Is it this or that politics and government? Like this to me, none of us, know the answers but i think what 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 we're what we're doing in those questions is proving that the disruption has happened like we can't look away from it and go it'll go away like no it's already here because the the ripple effect is is universal this is not just an education impact it is literally everything and so um you know as you're thinking out loud it just i think like that's it like that's for anyone listening and this that, is and why this we is need to have start. those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think this is the start as well. I think there's going to be a certain time as well where we're going to have to get to grips with the existential questions. Now, um, stop me if I go down, if I get get too philosophical. I used to be a philosophy teacher. Um, so I, I love the philosophy, the philosophy side of this. But I uh, love it. Go for it. <laughs> but the the idea of I was listening to a great podcast. I was driving, I was up in um a place called Berwick upon Tweed, which is on the border of, of Scotland, um, doing some writing for the weekend last weekend. And I was driving back, and and if 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 anyone's ever been to this part of the world, it's beautiful. And I'm not just saying that because I'm from here, but you literally drive down the coast, and there's every few miles there's a castle and another castle on the coast, oh, wow. and it's just it's just a beautiful beautiful drive back down to Newcastle. And um, I was listening to a podcast uh, by Reed Hoffman, um, and and he was talking about actually there's going to be a point where the generative AI is going to be coming out with solutions for us and we're not going to be able to understand how it got there. It's going to be so complex Oof. at the minute. We can kind of, we can generally, well, I, I can't, <laughs> let's be honest, I can't. but the people who created this technology can, can understand how it's coming to the conclusions that it does based on the, how they've programmed it. But it's going to get to a point when this thing is learning for itself, and again, that compounded effect of learning, where where we're going to be reliant on it. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but it, this morning, uh, ChatGPT. Uh, I'm not sure if you you might have still been uh I think it was like I was lead. I was doing a, a webinar at half nine this morning uh, with it with a company, an ed tech company in the UK, and literally as the webinar started, the whole thing went down um so it was yeah i was like thank you i even paid for the pro version as well i was like thank great thanks for that guys but the the um i think he, he was talking about this whole idea of it's it's gonna get to a point where we don't know how it's come to the conclusion now there's some people uh who think well actually that's going to be a disaster because if we can't if we can't actually, you know, I know, I know, we've spent the first half of this podcast kind of talking about and analyzing, and it's showing students how to analyze and teaching them those skills. But there's going to be a point where we can't, to a certain degree, because, right, right, because it's going to get so powerful, it's going to get so good. And um, and and Ray Kurtzville, the he used to be head of engineering at Google. He he put a year on it. He wrote a book in 2005 called the the Singularity, and he this is what he's referring to when he says the singularity. Um, and he, he predicted it would happen in about 2045. Um, however, 
I think he predicted we'd be at the point we're at today in 2029. So I think he's revising his predictions. He's just he's got a new book coming out in the next few weeks, and he's I think he's revising his predictions. But we're going to get to a point in the next 20 years, let's say, where this thing is is more intelligent than any human, and 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 the sum of all humans on Earth. So we're not going to understand, and we're going to have to trust it. Now I don't know what I thought that type of world looks like when we, when we completely trust an AI system for the decisions it's making, um, and for the actions it's taken. Um, but it's interesting because Reed Hoffman was talking about well, actually there are certain systems that we do trust already, like ninety nine point nine percent of us trust the economic system that we live in. We don't understand it. Like there might be a very, very few people in our society who do kind of understand how it fully works. And even then, there's a lot of there's a lot of arguments about that. And there's, there's right. people who sit in different schools of thought about economics, but it still works and we still trust it. We still put our money in the bank, we still invest our money in the stock market, we still trust the currencies that, that are associated with it. So we we still trust it. Biological systems, we trust our body. We trust that our body's going to get up and 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 kind of work the next day. We uh, sometimes that trust is unfounded because sometimes we don't wake up the next day, unfortunately. But we still trust certain systems in our life. And he was saying, "Well, is is AI going to get to a point where it's where it's going to be a system that we just kind of have to trust?" And I think once we get to that point, I'm like, I'm not making a judgment here whatsoever because I don't know if that's terrifying or if it's if it's going to be a good thing i think that i think it's both to be honest but um yeah i think some of the some of the conversations we're having now about about the dangers and i guess about the the kind of the cautions of ai are going to pale in comparison to the existential questions we're going to have to ask ourselves in the next few years and i don't know i don't even think we're ready to have the small to answer the small questions at the moment so um who knows if we're going to be ready to even grapple those those more existential question questions? Yeah, I mean, I think it, at some point it just becomes part of the whole fabric of our life. That you know, I think that idea of, of trust without understanding it comes into play. I think about it's not the same, but an example I always try to think through is as you're talking, I mean, I think about the money system. I'm like, yeah, I've got money in banks and they, those banks probably actually don't even have that cash. If I wanted to like pull the money out, like I, I have money that isn't even like tangible money. Like it's just numbers being moved around on a digital screen, you know, like, but like, I, I don't know where that, that money actually sits or rests or where it might be. Um, and I think a lot of it, even like, if you think about, all like like the voice activated devices that first night came out it didn't bring this sense of disruption or or fear or panic but it was almost kind of more of a mockery right like what is this i'm i'm talking to my phone i'm doing i got this device that's talking back to me let's do funny jokes well now those things are in any appliance device thing that you'd ever want and you see people talking to non-humans while they're walking down the street and we don't look at them confused we 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 it's just it's now become so saturated voice you know assisted tech that <laughs> we you know we don't know where that information is going or being sent we don't actually know how it's figuring out what to say back i mean it just does the things and i mean i think ai is is 
is way more powerful than that. And they'll probably at some point merge and all be part of the same kind of ecosystem when it all comes to fruition. But I think there's that, that point where right now it's so new and it's, you know, you're using chat GPT or if you're doing, you know, the, the visual stuff, maybe you're using open AI's Dolly or you maybe using mid journey or when I made like my fake video, I use three different tools. At some point it will just be a tool a platform that does all the things <laughs> it's just and we just well that's just yeah here we go let's 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 have this because i find it when i do work on my own and i'm taking ai for example it kind of gives me a thought partner like i don't see it like as an imaginary friend not like weird that way but like if I'm working and I'm working on some research or trying to learn something more, like I can kind of engage in a conversation if I don't have someone next to me to dive into that talk with, or if I'm not at like in a work setting where I am around other professionals, you can kind of have that back and forth. And I find that to be incredibly powerful. Um, sounds kind of weird, but like there's that thing, like I can, I can bounce ideas off of, I can have a rough draft be scrubbed through, I can get pushback on this and that. And it's like, oh. I can kind of have a dialogue um, to push my thinking Absolutely. forward as, as I think, go through. Like you're saying, once the once it's merged with voice assistant technology as well, I think that's going to take it to a, a completely new level. And, and I think this this the, although and and I've had pushback on these ideas recently, but I do think the power for that to kind of to to help lonely people, people who mm. who are elderly who don't have anyone, people who um, have mental health issues and just need someone needs something to offload onto um i think i think it could it could bring some some really interesting um use cases i think what's going to be really interesting and i'm enjoying talking about the futuristic side tonight because i think a lot of my i think about this a lot but uh, <laughs> a lot of my day-to-day -day work is the practical let's see how it can save teachers time which it can massively yes um, yes right. and i look and that's kind of my that's what that's what i'm doing every day pretty much all day at the minute but um i think it's good to delve into that the where's this going side of a conversation and i think if you take for example if you if you look at a company like boston dynamics who are making those you know those cool robots where yeah. they they fight them and they chuck <laughs> yeah. them off things and um they look almost like some kind of futuristic super soldier the way the way they move and they you you take chat gpt and you as the brain and put it in something like that and you've got a whole new different entity there on your hand you've oh, got wow. a, i didn't even think you've about, got yeah, a, you've essentially yeah, got a superhuman yeah. there haven't you and i think <laughs> right and i think well this this will i mean what the, the militaries militaries who who are having these same conversations or even experimenting with this right now um absolutely um but also what it but what it means for just our normal day-to-day -day life and i think that whole concept of the internet of things and, and i think you were you were kind of referring to it there when you talked about different devices right i think i see chat gpt and what it could become almost like as as the um and take what i'm saying here with a pinch of salt but the consciousness or the brain that is that can sit in actual physical things and, and and i know the first the first kind of use case that pops into most people's minds in, in that circumstance is a robot now will we have a robot in our house who can go around and make us a cup of coffee and do what clean the house who knows <laughs> yeah. i mean I, in fact we we've got um we've got those little robots that go around and and, and vacuum the carpet anyway haven't we but if but 
what what will that look like when this technology actually um, can can have a relationship with the physical world? Because at the minute we talk about right, well, I input text and it gives me text back. I input text, it gives me an image back. I input text, it gives me a song back. And these are really cool use cases. But what if I and text to voice very easy to do? So what if I input my voice and ChatGPT works as the consciousness or the brain of a of a robot style machine that then acts it out in the current. Right. So I say, go right, go make me a coffee, and it it can go make me a coffee. Or I don't know. I think yeah. I think that's where once once this once this starts interacting with the physical world, we're into a whole new ball game here. Um, and I think I think in a good way as well. Um, I know there's like like the caveat of this this stuff can be used for good and bad but i i quite like the idea of you know like a building that has a consciousness like you walk into a building um and and it, it communicates with you it tells you kind of what the temperature is it tells you uh that room's free that room's booked um you can the, there's a great deal on burgers in the in the cafeteria today <laughs> right, like right, whatever right. i don't know but but that the fact that the non animate objects like a building are going to almost have their own thought process and almost be to communicate in a human-like way with us. I think it's going to make the world a, a very interesting place and a very, a very, a place that's kind of, again, take this with a pinch of salt because it's hard to, it's hard to know what language to use when we're talking about this, isn't it? But a, a place that's even more filled with life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it might not be life as we know it and life as we're comfortable with right now, but a more lifeful place where we can interact with with humans, with with buildings, with that sounds crazy. I've, I've even as I'm saying this, I'm, I think this just sounds absolutely crazy. But <laughs> but I think that's inevitable. I think it's and I think that technology is is here. That's this is not something. It might take ten years to implement it, but the technology exists for that right now. I mean, all we're talking about there is a voice assistant, chat GPT, and kind of the same technology that the smart devices in your home uses someone just needs to put that together really yeah, and, and make yeah. it usable um and we're still scratching the surface because I, I really do think it's like we're back in mid 90s territory internet where who could have imagined netflix was on the horizon who could have imagined social media was on the horizon and so yeah, on and mobile right. devices as well um until steve jobs got up in 2008 and announced the iphone who who could have known that that was that was coming back in the 90s so I still think, even though we're dreaming up examples here, we still have no idea. Going back to what you said before, Aaron, we still have no idea what's going to come, and that's exciting, uh, but also cause for caution as well. I think. Yeah, and I want to be be respectful of your time here too. Um, you know, and so as we kind of wrap this up, I think it comes back to full circle to where we started. I'll, I'll be honest; this has been really fun. Just kind of dreaming up. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the big it. future. It's, to be honest, I was like, man, I'm gonna. I didn't. I didn't think we we're gonna go there. And this is what I love about having these conversations. But I think it, it lands us back to where we were when we started. We don't know what it holds. We we don't know how things are gonna pan out. But we do know it's not going away. And I think about the how much it's already emerged into the cultural context of of societies now and for those that like don't follow it all the time like chat gpt 
is not even a half a year old. It came out like in November of this recording of like it's 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 still just a little baby, and it was a baby that wasn't even supposed to be uh, delivered to the world yet, and and it's here. Um, and so I think as we say all that, it gives us an opportunity to think about those skills that we talked about in the beginning of how to think, how to conversate, how to process, how to utilize how to think as humans in parallel with, with using some of the algorithms that can help us strengthen our own thinking to, to really harness these opportunities. It's not, you have to be a, an early adopter, but we need to start having these conversations to figure out what that looks like in the school systems before in another six months, we don't know what it's looked like, but it's only going to be bigger, faster, stronger. And I don't say that out of fear. I say that out of excitement but like you said, also proceeding with caution. And we can't do both unless we start to develop the skills and understand how the education system, as well as life in general, can come together. So um, I appreciate this. I want to give you one, a final chance here. If there's anything that you want to say or share that you didn't get a chance to in our conversation, this has been great, but I want to be uh, respectful of our time here. Um, but any final thoughts as we've been dreaming up this new uh utopian world of uh, ai <laughs> i think i think just be brave uh be brave with it um i think there's a we're in a we're in a bubble and I, I, some days i think well everyone knows about this technology all teachers know about it but actually i think i think hardly any teachers know about this technology yet um and so if if you do know about it be brave have a go at it nobody's gonna Nobody, apart from if you're in one of those schools that's banned it, nobody's going to be looking over your shoulder. Have a play around with it, see what it can do for you. There's loads of things out there on on social media, um, which gives you tips and guides. Just have a play around with it, and and I suppose if you're a leader as well, and I've I've been for the for my for the new book, um, I've been writing a bit on on what does a what does an AI leader look like essentially, mm. and I think number one is have have some vision. I know it's easy to to get bogged down in the day-to-day -day kind of targets that, that that are piled upon schools. But I think it's good every now and then to just lift our head up and, and look towards the horizon and go, right, how do I how do I implement some of this stuff? Even if it's just an experiment, if it, it might not work. It might not work. And you might want to look at it from a different point of view, but actually true innovators will will have a go. We'll have a go and see does it does it work or not? Let's let's tweak it. So be innovators, be be people who have vision and 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 play with it. It's good. I think like what you were saying before, Aaron. Sometimes you just you just kind of shoot the breeze with it. You go back and forth with it, see what it's. And I think that's some of the that's one of the cool bits about this technology. It's, right. We I think well I promote it very much as a professional tool for teachers, but actually it's much much more than that. And you can you can bounce ideas off it. You can bounce personal ideas, personal issues, personal thoughts off it as well and just see what it says and it'll it, it you don't have to take it for for at face value you can just see what it says and see if anything's going to help you and, and if it doesn't it doesn't if it does then then you might have gained something from it so play with it now because in a few years time it'll be everywhere and um you could be ahead of the curve which is good yeah, i love it so i know in the show notes i'll get links to all your socials, but if people want to follow your work, you've got some incredible uh, places that are helping people come together and learn and not feel alone in this. I think there, there's every day there's new people 
thinking about it for the first time as they become exposed to it. Cause you're right. I think we, it feels like everybody knows about it, but I, I, I don't really think that's the case. So I know you've got a book coming out, but where are some other good places for people to uh, connect with you? Yeah. I mean, um, my website is the AI educator.io. Um, and on there you can sign up for the weekly newsletter. Uh, you can, in fact, I've just realized I don't have a link on it yet, but I'll put a link on for the, the Facebook page yeah, we've got. So we've, we've just good. got, I think we've just gone over 5,100 members. So come and join us in there where we're, we're discussing AI and in education. Uh, my Twitter, yeah, at Dan Fitz tweets. Um, so I'm, I kind of, I'm trying to put something or something of value on there every, every couple of days, like a, a guide, a tutorial, a video or something like that. And, and yeah, uh, come and join the conversation. Be great, great to connect. If you want, if you want to reach out, please feel free, feel free to do so. Well, I appreciate your time. I know you're one of the handful of people I go to every day to see what you shared and posted so I can keep my learning and, and stay on the cusp of stuff. So I appreciate the work that you're putting out and putting together and just all the food for thought and different ways to Thanks. think about. You too, use man. I think. Yeah, I think you too. I like, I uh, I very much come across your things, your stuff on LinkedIn and and Twitter, and and um, it's really helping the conversation. So thank you for for all you're doing for the space as well. For sure. I mean, I think it's at the end of the day, it's all about community and collective sharing, and I think that's how we we process and and you know try to make sense of all this and and all get a little bit better, uh, not just with AI, but but skills in general. And so we'll definitely get those links in there. Definitely worth the newsletter, following you on the socials, getting in on that Facebook group I just joined, and there's been some already some really wonderful conversations. So plenty of opportunities for, for anyone listening to to really uh, get involved and, and just hear the conversations and how people are processing stuff as things constantly evolve and change. So thank you so much, uh, Dan. This has been a super treat, uh, a huge pleasure, and uh, I'm really excited to have had this chance to speak with you today. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.